When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And welcome back to your favorite podcast. It's your host, Donovan McNabb. I'm joined with Armando Segaro here at the five spot where we hit nothing but hot topics and give you all of our takes that I know you will talk about for days to come, and then you'll see the next show. But let's dive right into all of this coaching uh, situation that we're involved in with the Dallas Cowboys deciding to keep Mike McCarthy. Is it a good move or do you disagree? I personally think it's a good move because if you're going to go with Bill Belichick, then I think Jerry Jones understands everything that he's done leading up to this point will now step aside, meaning Bill Belichick can come in and want to be involved in, in the draft, be involved in free agency, make the decisions, uh, probably don't have uh, the same type of energy to, to walk into the locker room after a game and know that Jerry Jones is doing a press conference outside the locker room, and then he's the second guy you're talking to. Uh, and then would you bring in a young uh, kind of coordinator to become a head coach? There are a lot out there. Now you bring in a new one, and now you have to start a new regime. you got decisions to make on, on your football team. Will you pay Michael Parsons? Will you decide to trade Dak Prescott? Will you pay Dak Prescott? What running back will you bring in? So – I think at this particular point, in my eyes, now I know Armando's probably getting fired up because he's so excited about this topic. I would keep Mike McCarthy, but Armando, I can just feel the energy right now, just like you're warming up a, a good old slice of pizza or possibly uh, something Cuban at this point because I can feel you licking your chops on this topic. What do you think? So, Donovan, my friend, my, <laughs> my, my brother, um, my man, look, yeah, let's just agree that he's a good regular season coach. That, that That's not the issue. He was 12 and 5, 12 and 5, 12 and 5 the last three years with the Dallas Cowboys. That's not the point. The point for the Dallas Cowboys, which haven't won a Super Bowl, and that's the goal, since, you know, I was a young man, which was a long time ago, uh, uh, in the 90s, that, that's their goal. And Mike McCarthy is not the guy, except that the guy who has the only opinion that counts, Jerry Jones believes he is the guy. Right. And he believes that the disappointment I mean, Jerry Jones, four days ago, was talking about, I never thought this could happen. He's outside the losing, you know, despondent locker room saying, I never imagined this was possible. Well, yeah, dude, when you go into a game, two things are possible. You win or you lose, at least in the playoffs, because they don't tie playoff games. And so he believes and he says last night in a statement, 
I believe this team is very close and capable to uh, of achieving our ultimate goals. And the best step forward for us will be with Mike McCarthy as head coach. Um, and then he says that the loss was not Mike McCarthy's fault, or at least not totally Mike McCarthy's fault. Our loss on Sunday is shared by everyone here. I agree with that. Yes. Not just Coach McCarthy. Our players, our coaches, our front office, myself, there is accountability for results. I am accountable for our results. Okay, you're going to fire yourself, Jerry? Uh, the lens we use to view and evaluate Coach McCarthy is holistic, meaning they look at everything. And I think that's just so much mumbo-jumbo, dude. Either the coach gets you to the Super Bowl or he doesn't. It's as simple as that. You're not going to fire yourself, your son, the general manager who is you. you the, you're keeping the quarterback. You, you're not breaking up the offensive line. You're not, you know, you might lose the defensive coordinator because he might leave not because you were going to fire him. So basically your holistic view set looked at that blowout and said, everything's fine. It's like that meme on, on social media where you're very active Donovan. And, and it's like that little dog in the house that's burning down. And he's like looking around going, I'm fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's all fine. That's what the Dallas Cowboys are right now in the playoffs. Well, I, I, I'll go back to your meme where uh, the little dog's sitting there and, and things are on fire. I don't see the Dallas Cowboys as being on fire. Now, we can easily say that they went 12-5, and five, uh, went into the playoffs with high hopes. Everyone expected this to be a Super Bowl contending team, and rightfully so. Uh, and then they lost to a young team that's wet behind the ears, uh, under 25, Jordan Love's first year as a full-time starter, uh, played well, lights out. Matt LaFleur called a great game. Uh, their defense played well, created turnovers, uh, and everything worked out in Green Bay's favor. The reason I believe that he stuck with Mike McCarthy, and it may, is going to upset a lot of people, you know, probably because he doesn't want to go through this whole new regime type of deal where you're now trying to bring in a guy that's somewhat going to give you a, over the hump, but you have to now start all over again. Because I'll tell you, everyone loves Bill Belichick at this particular point, but a lot of times you look at these older coaches that have been coaching for a long period of time. They come over and they're, they're almost like dinosaurs. Their approach and, and their, their change will take time. And we can look at it as, are uh, you plug and play with Bill Belichick? And we all know, We've seen the New England way. That's not going to work in Dallas. There are going to be a lot of people that are either going to be on the outs or it's going to be on a bubble. And that's what that, that's exactly what Jerry does not want at this particular point. Because now you go from 12 and 5, 12 and 5, 11 and, and 6. You do that, and then all of a sudden now you got guys that are leaving. You got guys that are getting traded. And being the GM slash owner slash whatever you want to call Jerry Jones, he doesn't want to have, have that bag where he's holding it and Bill is just reaching in like, nope, we'll throw that one out. Nope, nope, we can trade him and get some picks. 
and then they find themselves at nine and seven or or nine and eight. And and it's like, well, but we'll still win in the playoffs. And you get in the playoffs and win a game and end up losing again in the second round. Stay with Mike McCarthy at least for one more year. At least for one more year. Let's see what happens. And then things can decide to change with Jerry. But I think it's the right move for him to stick with Mike McCarthy at this point. Jerry Jones is 81 years old. 81. Yes. And so... He needs to win now. Right. Well, you made yeah. you made a great point that Bill Belichick is not a 10-year answer. No. It's a two or three-year answer at most. I would say to you that's exactly what the Dallas Cowboys need. That's what 81-year-old uh Jerry Jones needs. He needs a guy that let's go right now. That's let's go. He doesn't need we're going to be in this situation. I'm going to be sitting in this chair. You're going to be sitting in your enormous mansion chair, uh, <laughs> same spot next year. And we're going to be going, wow, Mike McCarthy lost in the playoffs again. That's too bad. I wonder if Jerry Jones is going to fire him this time. It's not going to change. It's not. And he's going to waste a year. I promise you that. Please keep this little segment that you can play back next year after the playoffs are over and watch if I'm not right. You'll see. And, you know, Jerry Jones has taken the road of least resistance and he's going to get the results of least resistance. Well, only two teams make the Super Bowl. And so it doesn't matter if you make it to the second round, doesn't matter if you make it to the NFC Championship and lose, you know, for... For the Dallas Cowboys, the bar is to make it to the Super Bowl. I thought this year they at least uh, would make it to the NFC Championship. I did. I thought they would at least make it to the NFC Championship. Uh, I thought the path for them uh, got a little rough for this next round, obviously playing the San Francisco 49ers. Uh, but I thought this football team, from what I've seen from Philly, what I've seen from the rest of the NFC teams, even with the Detroit Lions, I thought the Dallas Cowboys, because of what they've done offensively. Now, defense defense has been covered up in a lot of these big games because of their record. But they their defense is, hasn't played well against Buffalo. Their defense didn't play well against Miami. Their defense didn't play well against Philadelphia. Like, any team with a winning record, their defense really didn't step up as if we've seen in the last couple of seasons. Michael Parsons is a great player, comes off the edge. He's a guy that can get sacks. But teams run on him because they run directly at him. And so that was something that Gus Bradley never got fixed. And when you look at, especially during my career, there are a lot of defensive ends that were great pass rushers, a little light in the tail, uh, but we would run right at them, run right at them to force them out to have to stop the run. And that's only that's, that's the smart thing to do. And that's what Gus Bradley would do. Gus Bradley would take him off the ball and put him at the line, stand-up linebacker position, thinking that at least the defensive tackles would take on two blockers and he can kind of roam a little bit and become that linebacker that he was at Penn State. But I look at it in a sense of their defense had a lot of holes and they had a linebacker that was 215 pounds. Uh, <laughs> and they never addressed that situation 
when when their linebacker got hurt. Uh, their safeties are good. And then when their corner went out being uh, Diggs, when Diggs went out, Trevon Diggs, Bland came in and had his splash of pick six, uh, you know, being a great defender. But he still was their third corner. And people went after him because he's a gambler. He's a gambler. So they got they were able to run some double moves and, and get past him a little bit. And Gilmore did pretty well uh, on the other side. So I think they have holes to fill more than just Mike McCarthy at this point. Now, he's got a one-year one year opportunity, I believe. And probably Dak Prescott will have a one-year opportunity before they decide to make a move if that happens. Will they? Possibly next year they will. So basically <laughs> they, they're blowing the year. That's well, I think it's for a lot of financial reasons, too, and why you're not going after Bill Belichick. And what we will see, and I'm going to guarantee you this, what we will see is that Bill Belichick won't take a job fast because a lot of, lot of organizations are going to step back a little bit and really start to evaluate if they want to bring Bill Belichick in their, in their facility because of what's going to come with it. Bill Belichick is just walking in as a, some young coach who had a little bit of co uh, coaching experience. Bill Belichick is one of the greatest, if not the greatest coach of all time. But how many years will you be able to work with Bill Belichick? And what does that entail is the big question. He's not going to Philly, <laughs> I don't think. Uh, well, so glad you brought that up because that will be next with uh, you know, the situation of this coaching round. Uh, because when you look at the Philadelphia Eagles, and there's obviously big talk, and, and I think a lot of people aren't thinking about the ties with Philadelphia and Jeffrey Lurie being from Boston – and, you know, he was involved in the whole New England deal trying to purchase the New England Patriots before the Philadelphia Eagles, and it didn't work, and he ended up purchasing the uh, Philadelphia Eagles. So now you look back on, and this is the opportunity where everybody's looking at Bill Belichick uh, to come in and replace Nick Sirianni. I said it. Nick Sirianni is fine to me. I don't think that he's in a position where you need to fire him. You just a year ago was in the Super Bowl after a great run, uh, and he's been developing something over there. The person that should be on the hot seat is the GM, Howie Roseman, because he's the one that brought in these, these players, uh, which we went basically after the Georgia Bulldogs won a national championship. We were like, bing, bing, bing. We're going after everybody from Georgia. And Al Carter stepped up a little bit, but it wasn't consistent. He's a rookie. Jordan Davis hasn't done anything. Nolan Smith, who was drafted last year, really hasn't done much, and he's a, he's a rookie. Uh, and so he got enamored with a lot of these picks because of their names. And so it hasn't panned out. Nick Sirianni, to me, has not lost that locker room. People in that locker room still truly respect Nick Sirianni. There's a little bit more probably involved that's going inside that locker room. But when you lose the Super Bowl, the expectations are so high that injuries take, play a major part. Egos play a major part. Uh, and then they lose both of their coordinators after the Super Bowl last year and start out with two new coordinators. So the chemistry definitely isn't there from uh, a standpoint of calling plays and knowing that guys are going to execute them. And that's why you've seen a, it, it just look – it looked like it was a toss-up. And so Nick Sirianni can get that cleaned up. But the problem is 
You got to fire your defensive coordinators because you have two of them. Uh, and then you got to figure out what you're going to do with Brian Johnson, which I think Brian Johnson's upset if he do- doesn't get a head coaching job somewhere. So yesterday, The Athletic reported that Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman were in their lab uh, and they're calling around the league and calling assistant coaches and calling and calling people to try to cobble together the best candidates that they can for coordinator jobs. So it's pretty clear that in their mind that we're going to change at the coordinator level. And the athletics reporting was they're doing this because they feel comfortable that, you know, that's where the change will come with the Eagles. And then the athletic counter reported, you know, an hour later, oh, by the way, um, the fact that Nick Sirianni and Howie Roseman are doing this means nothing about the means nothing about how stable and how safe they are because they haven't met with Jeffrey Lurie. So never mind everything we just said about them being safe. They're not safe. All bets are open. And I would say to you, you're the second one is closer to the truth. They're not safe. Correct. All bets are open until Jeffrey Lurie figures out what, how to get back to into town. Number right. one, because he's not in town because of there's they've got this stuff going on in the Northeast. I think it's called snow. I'm not familiar. Um, and so, and so, wow! I gave you an opening for a Florida crack, and hey, you did. I'll, I'll let it. I'll let it sit out there and, and chill you off a little bit since you're enjoying 80 plus degrees right now. <laughs> yes. <laughs> hey, I won't get mad because we're, we're sitting in the high. We're sitting in the high 60s and mid 70s right now too. So uh, I'm not it. upset either. <laughs> I got it. I got it. So the the bottom line is, uh, you know. All bets are off in Philly until Jeffrey Lurie comes with the puff of smoke or whatever it is that 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 it will signal one direction or the other. And I agree with you as far as look, they need they need coordinator help. I was disappointed in Sirianni that when it wasn't working on offense at the end, he didn't take over the play calling because. He's an offensive mind. That's his offense. He knows it better than anybody. And he didn't take over the offense. Brian Johnson, look, I don't know how you think he's a head coach candidate when he didn't do a good job as an offensive coordinator in my mind. I I, I don't know. I don't know. I mean, I, I think at the, at the level of where the NFL is now, where they're looking for those young, innovative minds that – uh, could become the the new Sean McVay, uh, my, uh, Matt Lafleur's, the Kyle Shanahan's. Think that's where the game is going now. And so, um, was it awful? They did. They did still go ten and one. Was it awful? And they also did lose uh, like seven of the last eight or so. Uh, and so, 
yes, we can look at it in that sense, but we also can look at it for Gus Bradley as well, where that defense just wasn't the same as as it was uh, the last couple years. And so there are a lot of questions about a lot of these coordinators. I think the hottest one right now is the one, obviously, in Detroit um, by the way that they've been playing. Uh, and he's been doing this now for the last three years, and, and it's been impressive. So he's well-deserving of that opportunity. But as far as Nick, Nick Sirianni is concerned and Howie Roseman, yes, they definitely have to find that answer for a defensive coordinator. And they have to make a decision. For Nick Sirianni, he has to make a decision as far as an offensive-minded guy. Is he going to stick with Brian Johnson? Uh, or does he just kind of revamp and bring in another offensive coordinator? Because to me, when you look at it in the sense of this is two years now in a row, this will be two years in a row, if they decide to go and bring in two new coordinators, how how hot is your seat then if you lose your coordinators and they become head coaches? The next year, you start out 10-1 and one and you lose seven of the last eight. And then you go and get new coordinators to come in to fill the void for those particular guys. How hot is your seat now? And who's on the hotter seat? Will it be Howie Roseman or will it be Sirianni? No, your your seat is scorching hot. But I would say that it's better to be sitting on a scorching hot seat than on a bus bench. Because <laughs> an unemployed, with no seatbelts, with no seatbelts, unemployed, it's better to be on a hot seat in an office where you're going to work in five minutes than on a bus bench where you're catching the bus to go get some government cheese. So that's all I got to say about that. So um, Armando, who who would be who would be the first one that you would think Jeffrey go after? Would it be the GM or would it be the head coach? I really believe he is going to keep the head coach. But look, for us to to think that we can predict Jeffrey Lurie's mind, remember, remember after Doug Peterson won the Super Bowl, he won it. They had rings uh, or a ring and he beat Bill Belichick. Two years later, they underperformed. And there was that evaluation meeting with Doug Peterson and Doug Peterson had to come with a plan and his plan for changing coordinators was not to Jeff Jeffrey Lurie's uh, taste. And they, they left that meeting without settling anything. And eventually Doug Peterson got fired because he wanted to hire what press Taylor or somebody. And they they couldn't agree. Jeffrey Lurie didn't like the, the direction and the plan. That guy won a Super Bowl. And Nick Sirianni hasn't won a Super Bowl. So yeah, but everything he, he, he's taking them. He's taking them to a Super Bowl with an historic and uh a glorified year. And remember, I was I was a little bit involved in that last year where I'm telling you, everybody in that building was floating on a cloud where to the point where their ears and eyes were closed to any alums, anybody that was involved in the organization before, because it was it was the miracle year. I'm telling you, everybody's like, oh, you know, yes. Uh, well, I have to take a look at our schedule. You know, we we. We can't do this. And, oh, yeah, yeah, I'm telling you, 
everything was going the right way last year and everyone was riding high. But even with Doug Peterson, they weren't sold on Doug Peterson after his first and second season there. That's why it was tough because they were thinking about firing him before then. And then when he took him to the Super Bowl and won it, they still weren't excited about Doug Peterson. And I blame a little bit of that on, on Howie and not so much Jeffrey because Jeffrey's involved to what's going on, but not as involved as like a Jerry Jones. Yeah, I'm scrolling through my contacts here on my phone <laughs> looking for Janet Jackson's number. Um <laughs> Because or control the song. No, control. because the NFL is. What have you done for me lately? Yeah. You're 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 talking about last year, and it wasn't last year. It was the year before. Last year was you lost seven out of your last eight. It's last year. Uh, Janet Jackson thinks that the Super Bowl is not anything that you've done for her lately. Uh, yeah. It's weird. Uh, I don't have the number for Janet Jackson. It's so well, strange. Let me, hold on. Let me let me check my phone here. Oh, okay. I'm sorry. <laughs> okay. So what I'm the point that I'm making is, um, you know, he. I think that Sirianni gets the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. For, for two years ago, but he has to make some significant changes. That what? that the owner likes and agrees with because whatever happened this year doesn't didn't work. He needs a new defensive coordinator. I'm not sold on Brian Johnson and you have to, it's hard because you have to find someone that's going to run Nick Sirianni's. Exactly. Exactly. And so that that's where it makes those decisions tough. And that's why I believe Nick Sirianni's okay and if they're waiting to see what moves he makes as far as the coordinator position, then then I can understand, that, especially from that offensive standpoint. And that's why I think Brian Johnson stays if he doesn't get a head coaching job. But let's move on to the Dirty South out in Atlanta uh, where the, the good old birds are flapping their wings. Ludacris is performing. You know, we're out jamming out at uh, Cam Newton's Cigar Bar and then you know, we got so many other great places to eat out in Atlanta. What decisions will Arthur Blank make? Uh-oh, you said eat. You got fired up. Arthur Blank has a big decision to make there. He already had Bill Belichick in, uh, interviewing him. I think maybe he had two interviews uh, to bring him back to sit and talk about the possible moves that he would like to make out in Atlanta. What decisions now are left for Arthur Blank? Will he go with the young innovative coaches to come in and, and kind of bring his new regime and, and attitude and flavor to the team? Or is he going to go after the old dog and try to bring his expertise in to uh, help this organization? Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. So the Falcons are probably 
you know, the furthest down the road on their head coaching search of any team that's looking for a head coach. They've interviewed, let's see, two, four, seven guys already, right? Seven guys they've already interviewed. Um, and let me show you who they've interviewed. They've interviewed Anthony Weaver, who is the Baltimore Ravens assistant head coach and defensive line coach. Hiro Evero, who is the Panthers defensive coordinator and soon possibly to be out of a job as the Panthers defensive coordinator. Steve Wilkes, who is uh defensive coordinator, former yeah. head coach in Arizona for one year and also was with the Panthers. Brian Callahan, who is the Bengals offensive coordinator. Mike McDonald, who is the Ravens defensive coordinator. And then they've interviewed this week Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. <laughs> and this is going to be a disaster. A disaster. Why do I say that? Because you have fed people the names. And, I, and two of those are not like the others. <laughs> two of those are way different than the others. And if you don't hire one of those two that are different than the others, you're already disappointing your fans. Fans love big, proven, starry, glowing in neon names. And that's Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh, who just won the national championship. It's not Ihiro Ivero. I'm sorry. It's not him. It's not the guys that they have to look up, you know, I was going to say in the encyclopedia, in Wikipedia these days, you know, it's, it's, it's Belichick or Harbaugh or you're disappointing your fan base. Well, they, they have to do their due diligence. And I think a lot of it too, with the, the Rooney rule, uh, bringing in some, some different guys um, and trying to fill that void. Uh, were a lot of those guys that you mentioned really qualified in a sense of of changing that organization around? No. Uh, I think those are just names that were available that they can go and, and bring in. Uh, I think Wilkes, with, with what he did in Car with Carolina, correct, uh, that, you know, I think that was just kind of, hey, we got a chance to see him a little bit. Let's, let's bring him in. Uh, let's talk. But then their, their main two were Bill Belichick and Jim Harbaugh. And I think you were correct by saying they're different than the other names because of control. You know, as I was looking, thinking about Janet Jackson's uh, albums, you know, and I went directly into control. Um, now, when I say that, because Bill's not going to come in and even though the people, well, he said he would step down and let the GM call in New England. Yeah, I don't know if he's going to do that one out in Atlanta. Um, and so when the control aspect of it, he's going to be the one bringing the groceries in. It's going to start with quarterback. He's going to build that defense. Uh, and offensively, it's going to be interesting to see who he decides to bring as his offensive coordinator. Because all of his coaches that have left became head coaches all failed. And some of them have come back. And then when they came back, they still failed. So I, I just think the direction with the, with Bill Belichick is the big question. Now, Jim Harbaugh, Jim Harbaugh is really, to me, he's, he's the real big question mark because 
we can look at what the success that he had with Michigan and winning the national championship and get excited about that. But Jim hasn't been back in the NFL in a while. Back when Colin Kaepernick and, and Alex Smith were, were his quarterbacks, all of his coaches that he's, he's had has moved on. Uh, I don't know if a lot of them have become head coaches. Uh, some of them have, but yet and still, it's what direction is he deciding to go in now? And I don't think, to be honest with you, that if the Chargers in Atlanta are on the table of what team and organization will he go for, if they're off, both offering the same thing, Atlanta won't be ahead of the Chargers. I think everybody, including Bill, would love to have that Chargers opportunity because you have names on defense that can elevate, and then offensively you have weapons. So I just think right now with those two in Atlanta, you're right. If you don't hire one of those two, it's a failure. Unless you go out and get the offensive coordinator from Detroit and sell that to your fan base, which they will not have a clue of who he is compared to Jim Harbaugh and Bill Belichick. So those dirty birds out there in Atlanta, they're flapping their wings now to they fire, hire a new coach, and it's going to be, who is that? Like, now you got to wait for the press conference. Yeah, and, and by the way, we're not saying that it's going to fail if you don't hire those two. We're saying that it's going to feel to their fans like right. it's a failure because you didn't get the names that they recognize and the guys that have proven, uh, you know, and, and won championships. The problem with those two, though, is they're both weirdos. They're, they're both weirdos. Jim Harbaugh is a weirdo. Jim Harbaugh, you, you know, it's like I don't know what he's thinking from one minute to the next. And the problem is he doesn't know what he's thinking from one minute to the next. And Bill Belichick. Hello, Bill. Good morning. You know, I mean, thank you for grunting at me, Bill. I appreciate that. I thank you. Thank you very much. Um, and then he comes with the uh, how much control do you need? How how much? You know, are you going to manifest right over the, you know all that stuff? So it's a strange, it's a strange dynamic in that the two biggest names are the two biggest weirdos, and and the other guys, lo lesser names, they probably are more pliable and more willing to you know work around issues that right. that you know teams already have in place. Atlanta is not going to do a total revamping for for Bill Belichick or or Harbs. They they got stuff already in place. You got to come in and, and build on that. And I don't know if they want to build on that, especially, by the way, at quarterback. Yeah, there's a lot of decisions that's got to be made in Atlanta. Um, and people will look at that quarterback situation and say, why didn't we bring Lamar Jackson in? Uh, last offseason, that might have been when it all started. So a lot of questions right now that everyone is waiting on answers in Atlanta. Speaking of that, big questions from NBC, from all of the viewers. Uh, C.J. Stroud having a miraculous season and a God-fearing guy who, uh, if you look at a lot of his interviews, uh, the first thing that he talks about is giving praises to his, his Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. He always talks about that and, and, and the things that he believes in and stands for and 
Uh, he's continued to just kind of evolve in this league, possibly be, becoming the rookie of the, of the year, offensive rookie of the year. Led his team now to the second round versus the Baltimore Ravens. And this organization has now kind of boosted themselves with him and D'Amico Ryan. But NBC cut off um, the Jesus Christ comment. Do you have a problem with that, Armando? Is it weird to you? Uh, and where do you think that this is coming from? So we follow each other on social media. I know that we do because mm -hmm. I, I, I threatened you. <laughs> I really question why I press follow. I'm still. I, I, know, I, as most people who follow me often do, <laughs> you're like, why are we doing this? Um, and so the first thing on my Twitter account is Jesus Christ first, because I'm a Christian, right? Right. But as a Christian, I recognize that the media in the United States and of America, and really throughout the world, hates for some reason. I'm not going to say why they hate Jesus. They hate the mentions of Jesus unless you're using it as a as a swear word. They hate the propagation of Jesus and they hate the idea that people might, you know, push salvation through Jesus. And the problem for NBC was that CJ Stroud does that every single interview, every Absolutely. single one because he is a Christian and he is called to minister to the world as all Christians are. So what NBC did was they did the post-game interview with him on the field. The first thing he says is all praise and glory to Jesus Christ. And they edit that out and go with the second sentence. And that's where they started. It's lame. Right. That's that's that's, uh, that, that's that that shows you who you are and not CJ Stroud, NBC. And it shows that you're if he was saying. I don't know, Buddha, Muhammad, whoever, are they going to edit that out or are they going to let that go? That's the question. And it seems like, you know, media and not just media, but the NFL is uncomfortable. The NFL thinks that, um, well, doesn't think. The NFL is uncomfortable with religion and faith. And so therefore they think that everybody is uncomfortable with religion or faith because we speak for everybody and every smart person doesn't believe in some fake sun god or some fake sun somewhere. It's crazy talk except that millions and millions of people in the United States and billions around the earth believe in it and live by it every day. Right. And it's at the core of their being. And so it's offense. Yeah, I'm offended. I'm totally offended. I'm right there with you. I mean, I, I you know, I always, you know, obviously say our prayers and, and I'm a Christian as well. And, and yes, all praises do go to, uh, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, and we talk about that, and and, and players always express that as well. And to to have that cut out is is truly, I mean, it's it's disrespectful. It's disrespectful in a sense because there are a lot of people out there who are are Christians and and believe in Jesus, and those who don't believe in Jesus, still they don't feel like that's that's kind of disrespectful to them. 
Uh, but to cut it out and, and being a media outlet that's that's uh, you know focusing on the game and the interviewing these players, the fans want to want to feel as one with the player. Uh, and when they hear a player talk, they break down everything that young man says and young woman, uh, because in women's basketball, women's sports, those women as well will give give praises to 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 Lord and Savior Jesus Christ or or Allah, whoever it may be that they you know that they kind of represent and, and and pray under. And so I I just think for what what NBC. It, they've they've stuck their foot in a, in a in a hole at this particular point. They got to find a way to pull themselves out. But I will say this: there are a lot of people in the world today who can't stand to hear just certain people talk, no matter what people may say. Uh, and that may kind of get up under their skin when they say things like that. But as far as a media outlet, let's not kind of feature in favor to those particular people. You're a media outlet that is supposed to express and show and display what these young men are all about. This is their opportunity and their platform to be able to step up on stage and, and tell people and show people what type of individual they are. And CJ Stroud is doing that. And that's why you hear a lot of, a lot of athletes say, I can use my platform to reach out to millions of people and him being a, uh, a servant uh, to, to the Lord Jesus Christ and, and being able to get up and, and express and touch the lives of others and, and maybe change uh, the mentality or the approach of an individual who may be wondering how to handle situations and to see how CJ has handled himself as a young man in this league and being responsible for being a leader for 52 other men in that locker room and coaches and lead his team and understand to say that it's not just me, it's, the, my Lord and Savior Jesus Christ blessing me with this opportunity to step out on the field and, and be able to lead my team. It says a lot about him. It says a lot about these players. It says a lot about these coaches. Uh, even with Gerard Mayo, when he spoke, when he received, got the opportunity to, to coach uh, for the New England Patriots, he got up there and talked about how special this is, not just for him, but for, for everyone that looks like him and, and how blessed he is. And so, I think for NBC to to do this, and I wouldn't say that it's just NBC. Uh, you know, it, it's it's a lot of other media outlets as well that they really have to go back into the meeting and evaluate themselves, and they're going to have to get this thing corrected because that is definitely not the direction that needs to be going in at this point. Let me make three quick points, Donovan. Um, I understand that not everybody's a Christian, and I get that. God bless Correct. you, man. Do what you need to do. Be who you need to be. Right. Uh, and some of those people would say, well, Jesus, talk of Jesus doesn't belong on the football field. Talk of Jesus doesn't belong on NBC. The funny thing is those are the same people who want other people to come out of closets and and show the world who they are and be free and be liberated. But they want to stick the Christians on the sideline and away from the from the limelight because they're not comfortable with that. But let's put on, you know, other things and let everybody else show who they are, but not right. the Christians that, that you don't get to say you don't get to be on my on my show. In my house, in my couch, 
when I'm watching football, but the other people get to be, you know, have you watched commercials lately? Oh, uh, it's wide yeah. open. It's wide open. Exactly. Number two, NBC now has a problem with the Houston Texans. And the reason I say that is because the Houston Texans, probably more than any NFL team, are Christ-based. This is what D'Amico Ryans, who I voted for, by the way, and proudly for Coach of the Year in NFL, this is what he said after that big win uh, over Cleveland on, what was it, the weekend. The first things out of his mouth, just thankful again for this. Just gracious, man. We're blessed. Our team is special. God has blessed us tremendously, and we give him all the glory, honor, and praise which with where we are. So now you have the star quarterback. quarterback and the head coach, you know, sending praises to to whom they worship. And NBC, you're going to cut, or media, you're going to start cutting all that stuff out and ignoring it. Uh, the media has ignored that stuff and kind of stuff all year long. Tua Tonga Vailoa, he called for people to pray. Yeah, they he's got, they he's don't got the mention, cross, I think, on his arm, yeah. uh, on the tape. On yeah. his face. Uh, yeah. They don't mention that. Um, the NFL earlier this year when Trevor Lawrence hurt his ankle or knee or whatever it was. Remember yeah. the, the whole walk, long walk to the long locker room, walk, yeah. no, no cart. He was down and Trey Hendrickson, who was the guy who sacked him, immediately took a knee and started praying for him. Right. The NFL put that out on their Twitter, their X, whatever, and said, Trey Hendrickson takes a moment. <laughs> no, he wasn't <laughs> taking a moment. He right. was praying. And, and the idea that the NFL can't bring itself to admit that people pray is just, it's unfathomable to me. Like, you know, after games when when all the players meet at the at midfield and circle and, and take a knee uh, and, and, and pray for, obviously, competition and pray for those who have been hurt, pray for those who weren't able to play, that they speedy recovery, you know, things like that you never really see on camera. They never pan over to midfield to show those 25 – 30 people who are taking a knee at midfield and coaches as well. Um, you know, and it's it's funny you bring that up because when when Hendrickson did it uh, for Cincinnati, you know, it, it was one that they never really said anything, but they made it a point to show Hendricks do it. But then when players score a touchdown, when players make a play, uh, and the thing that I used to do is I would tap my, my chest twice for my grandmother and grandfather who passed away and I will always point up to the sky and, and, and thank the Lord above for giving me this opportunity. And obviously, you know, praying, you know, with my mom, for my grandfather and grandmother, uh, I would do that. But then when players do that, you no know, point up to the sky and they kind of make it like it's, Oh, he's just, you know, so excited about, you know, what he's doing and, and no, it's like, no, we're, we're giving praises to the man above for giving us this opportunity uh, to in, do the thing that we enjoy, so I just think for NBC at this particular point, there's got to be there's got to be a conversation now because it's become a national thing. But not only is it NBC, 
it's got to go to every network now because now the magnifying glass is on everyone who, you know, who covers football or sports in general. And we'll see how this continues to go as, as this style evolves into where we are right now in the world. But I want to thank you for joining us here at the five spot. It's been a remarkable day. Armando's got that vein popping in that forehead already. He's looking forward to grabbing something to eat after the show. Uh, join us here next week on Tuesday uh, as we recap the games that happens this weekend. Uh, but more importantly, here at the five spot, we're going to give you everything that you expect and a little bit more. So join us here on Tuesday here at the five spot. We'll <laughs>